Uh, well, we are going to continue on our series, A Story of Hope. Uh, and when you hear that phrase, what, what, what book of the Bible comes to mind, right? What, what, a story of hope. Is it Job? Well, probably, maybe now, because we're, we're four weeks into it, but probably not at first, right? Because when we think about the book of Job, it, even if all you're familiar with is, hey, there was some guy named Job from the Bible, and we get him confused with the word job, and I'm not really sure, you know, little J job, big J job, I'm not sure how the English language works like that, but hey, we'll go with it. Um, but depending on your familiarity, we probably all know in some way or another that Job's story is one of suffering. And, but we, we end there, we leave it at that because we don't go through the whole book. And when we go through the whole book, we see that it's actually a story of hope. And that's what we've been walking through here the past couple months, or past couple weeks, uh, for about a month now. In the opening chapters, we see that Job loses just about everything. His wealth, his family, his health, uh, and then all of a sudden his friends show up, uh, and you think that's a good thing, and it's not. Instead of comforting him, they condemn him, and they have this heart of Job, what did you do? You must have uh, ticked off God if he's going to let you suffer like this. And yet the end of his story is an intriguing one. We've been looking at this whole series at Job 42.12. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Job 42.12. Uh, Job comes just before uh, the book of Psalms. Psalms is pretty much the middle of your Bible, so you open the middle, you'll find Psalms, and go to the beginning of Psalms, and you'll find Job. So Job 42.12, uh, verse A, is where we've been studying this whole time. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job, more than his beginning. Don't worry, if you're still flipping to Job, that's fine. We're going to be in Job 38 to 41, kind of getting to right where you're at. So still keep flipping and kind of put a thumb there and we'll jump back to that. But Job 42, 12, and the Lord blessed the latter days of, of Job's life more than his beginning. And so we see that even though he blessed him before he died, before he went to be in heaven with God, uh, even if he had taken his life, that there would be a blessing awaiting him in heaven. And so we see, okay, well, how, we, we want to be blessed. You know, we'd even love to be blessed in, in, in our life now. And so what can we learn about who our God is? What can we learn about Job's story that would help us see, okay, what does it look like to have a blessed life? Well, see, we're going to be looking at some of my favorite chapters this week, chapters 38 through 41, as I said. And one of the reasons these are just my favorite chapters is this is where God speaks up. And so we've had the first couple chapters, we get the whole picture of how uh, all the suffering that Job is going through. And then the bulk of, of the book is Job and his friends having this back and forth where they keep saying, Job, what'd you do? You, you, you must have screwed up somewhere, somehow, to bring on this kind of suffering. I mean, this is biblical level suffering. But then we get to verse 38. And all of a sudden, God speaks up, and I, I just love it. And so this is my favorite verses uh, when it comes to the book of Job. And we're going to kind of hop through about, you know, four or five chapters. And so I encourage you, if at any point you're like, Steve, wait, no, there, here's this cool part that I kept reading where you stopped, and I want to go back and read that. Awesome. Do that. Go back and read that. Actually, we're going to get to the, a part about the Leviathan. I'm not going to hit on many of those verses. Go back and read it. It's cool stuff. This is awesome stuff. Even if you kind of get lost and you just do that right now, that's okay. If you want to tune me out to read your Bible, thumbs up. I'll, I'll let you do that. You know, you can nudge your neighbor, find out what you missed. <laughs> but, so we're going to kind of hop through these chapters here. Um, and so we started to look at some of these last week, right? Last week we were talking about hearing the voice of God. So here's Job, and, and all of a sudden God's speaking to him. So how can we hear the voice of God in our own life? But there is more to learn, more that we want to go through. You see, when we're going through pain, or we're going through loss or trials or, or struggle, 
We, we gain a laser focus in our life. Did, do, you know, do you know what I mean when I say that? Think about times where you've gone through suffering, pain, trials. What wasn't your focus instantly pinpoint laser focus? If someone in your family or one of your loved ones or a friend passes away, Instantly, that for the next couple of days, for the next week, depending on how close they were in the next month or even years, your focus is on that person and the role they played in your life. And this is something that's so even accepted by our culture, which is awesome. I mean, you can tell your boss, hey, you know, there was a death. I need to go and be at the funeral. And majority of the time, your work will always say, hey, you can get off for that. No problem. They also say that about jury duty. So I'm not sure what that says about jury duty. Um, but... Uh, um, so death, you know, it's one of those things we have laser focus on, on that issue. Illness. Illness. When someone becomes sick, we seek and hope to receive treatment and to relieve that pain, and that becomes our laser focus, right? There's a time I've shared the, the details of this story before about when my, uh, now my six-year-old daughter uh, got sick. Uh, it was a little, little more than about a year, year and a half ago. It was right around Easter, two Easter's ago. And this happened the day before we were scheduled to go to Disney World. It was our first time seeing Disney World. Her grandparents were going to take her. It was going to be a blast. The day before, she got sick and was hospitalized for 10 days. And so we, we went to Disney World without her, right? No, we stayed home. And we, our laser focus, nothing else mattered. Trips didn't matter. If we lost deposits, that was, we didn't care about that because our little girl was sick, and that was our focus. And a, a few months later, you know, in the midst of all that, God showed himself powerful, completely healed her. We thank him for that. We're so grateful for that. And then about a month later, we got to reschedule our Disney trip. And as we're getting closer to the Disney trip, um, uh, my wife's side, one of the uncles, was, was getting sick. And we kind of saw the writing on the wall. And the day we were supposed to be leaving to go down to Disney, he died. And he passed away. And so, again, we, we had to delay the trip a few days because when illness and death come, we, we have a laser focus in those moments. Let's take a different kind of struggle. Maybe your struggle today is anger towards God. Maybe, maybe there's something that happened in your past, in your history, or you're going through right now, and, and you're just filled with anger towards God for allowing it to happen. Because you know He's a powerful God. Say, God, why didn't you stop this? Why, why didn't you let this play out a different way? And again, a laser focus on that. So much so that when, when I meet people in this frame of mind, they have a hard time understanding, a hard time grasping some of the other characteristics and attributes of God because their focus is so much on that moment of anger. And it takes God working in their lives to kind of break through into that. So we can see how sometimes that laser focus can be a good thing and other times not so much. Have you ever been ridiculed or, or picked on? The hurt sometimes can speak louder than the loving words of those who love us. And that pain just becomes our focus. Loss of any sort. Whatever we lost, there's a void that's created, and that void takes our attention. Job's first three friends actually encouraged Job down this path. Hey, you're suffering. What did you do? What, 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 did, what was the thing that you did wrong? Or maybe it was your kids. What did they do wrong? They'd have the audacity to say, God must have killed your kids for something they did. Fortunately, one of Job's friends, the fourth one that shows up, Elihu, he knew, what, I believe he knew what we're going to talk about here this morning. He had a better understanding of what was going on because his word to Job wasn't what you do. His word to Job was, have you considered the wondrous works of God? 
Have you considered who your God is? In essence, is what he's saying. And so what did Elihu probably know that we're going to be talking about here today? He knew that life was not ultimately about Job. He knew that life was not ultimately about him. He, he would know if he was here today that life is not ultimately about me, and it's not ultimately about you. It's bigger than Job, bigger than Elihu, bigger than you and me. Life is not about us. That's, that's the bold point here this morning. Life is not about us. And yet we, we try to make it that way. We really do. I mean, we think about it. As a, as a child, there comes this, this harsh reality that we have to learn that we don't always get our way, right? All of a sudden, you know, we want something. This happens as young as my, 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 my uh, just turned three, but my two-year-old before she turned three. If she didn't get her way, you know, the temper tantrum comes out or the, the fits of rage. It's like, no, I, I want my way. And, and their focus can be so uh, much uh, on themselves because we falsely believe that life is about us. I've seen this in another place where in some baseball tournaments uh, they have that where everybody gets a trophy. It's like a participation trophy. It's like, uh, um, well, it's because me. It's, it's about me, right? Even if I lose, there, I, I still need to get something because this world is about me. Instead of, okay, well, no, the tournament's about, you know, finding okay, the best team and fighting for that and then, okay, having the winner and they get that, that award. But we've, we've built this, well, it's about me, right? Imagine, if this describes you, uh, not trying to pick on you, we love you, we're glad you're here. But have you ever had those moments or seen those moments where someone proposes at a wedding? And I give them the benefit of the doubt. They're so enamored with love and with the other person, they got those like googly romance eyes on that they can't see that, hey, today's not about you. But they're so overwhelmed with love and just love's in the air and hey, you just saw someone get married and they, I, I gotta do it, I got the ring in my pocket, they pull it out, they propose right then and there. Their focus is on them and they think that's all about me. They can't see beyond that. Here's one I think we can probably all relate to. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you felt like they weren't really listening to what you were saying? You, you could almost see the gears working and you realize you're not listening to the word I'm saying. You're thinking about when you have the next turn to talk. You're thinking about what you want to say. And it's not even in relation to what I'm talking about. You're just waiting for me to stop talking so you can tell your story. Because we get stuck in these ruts where we think it's all about me. And you can push back on this. But Steve, when it comes to trials and, and, and pain and suffering, isn't it good to have that laser focus? You talked about when your daughter was in the hospital. It was good to, to focus on her and not Disney World, right? Yes, it's not always a bad thing. It's good and healthy and honorable to deal with our issues, to deal with our pain and our suffering to the extent that we are able. However, we're going to see here this morning that our focus must first and foremost be on the power of God as opposed to the potential of our problems. Our focus needs to be first and foremost on the power of God as opposed to the potential of our problems. And so, someone in my shoes, if, if, if your child is going through sickness, I would encourage you in the same thing that, that I was encouraged in, to say, hey, okay, while your kid's going through this, first and foremost, focus on God. What is God's heart towards your daughter? Well, he loves her. He loves her more than I do. He made her. He knows everything that's going on inside of her. Let that bring you comfort. Well, yeah, but he may not do what I want him to do. I know, but he's got it in control. So when our focus first begins there, it then moves us, okay, well, here's some other things I need to deal with and be responsible with, but let's put our focus first on the power of our God and not the potential of our problems. You see, the power of God is always greater than our problems. It's always greater than our pain. It's always greater than our suffering. Turn back to your Bibles if you've got them open still. Job 38. 
We're going to see this illustrated here in Job's life. So Job 38, verse 1, uh, God all of a sudden comes on. He's been here uh, the whole time, but he all of a sudden speaks into the situation. And it says this, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. If you have an uh, older translation, it probably says, Gird up your loins. Uh, I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Basically saying, hey, Job, get ready. I got something to say to you. How, how do you think Job might be feeling here? I think on one hand, he's probably excited, eager, elated. Okay, God's going to speak. Okay, let me get my notebook. You know, let me get my pen. What, what, what do you got for me, God? I'm ready. He's probably hopeful, thinking, hey, God's going to speak to my pain. He's going to tell me why I'm going through this mess. He's going to make it all okay. He's going to help me understand. He's going to answer every little question I have, and we're going to be good, and then we can go on with life. Maybe he kind of heard that last bit about, hey, gird up your loins here. Prepare for action. We talked about that last week. Basically, you would gird up your loins. It'd be like, if you had something, you know, a long robe over your knees, you can't really work or, or battle. And so if you had to go work or battle, you would tie it up in, in a certain way that was girding up your loins. And so basically, he's telling Job, get ready for work or battle. Job's like, well, which, which one is it going to be, God? <laughs> Say, get ready. Get ready. So Job probably has a whole flood of emotions going on here. As God's like, all right, I got something for you. And then God continues in verse Four, but what's interesting here is if Job could set the agenda for the discussion that's about to happen, what do you think he'd have on it? Same thing that I think you and I have when we go through pain, when we go through trials and suffering. There is probably one thing on that agenda. Any question you have about God gets put aside when you are going through pain and trials and, and struggle. And the one thing on your agenda that you and God would love to talk about, you say, if God's going to come here and have a conversation, here's my one question, why? Help me make sense of all this. Why was this allowed to happen? And, and because our focus is on that pain. It's on that suffering. And so I imagine that was the one topic Job wanted to talk about. Let's see if God follows Job's agenda or has one of his own. He keeps going in verse 4 and on. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have the understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. I love that God uses sarcasm here. Or who stretched the line upon it? Uh, on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? Do you know anything about the creation of how this was done? Just give me a measurement. One measurement about how, you know, the foundations of the world. God kind of continues on this trend throughout chapter 38, talking about creation. Do you know this, Job? Were you here for, for that? continues in, in verse 12 have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place okay forget about the whole day let's just look at the morning do you have power over the morning do you know when the sun is going to rise do you control when the sun is going to rise no oh okay well let me keep going and job keeps god keeps going to job he gets to verse 17 and 18 have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. I kind of feel like if I were to put this in, in my own words, the kind of heart that I'm hearing is, God's like, okay, stop me if you know this one. I'm, I'm going to go through a list of things about creation. If you, if you got an answer for me, just stop me and let me know. Can you control the morning? Do you have power over that? Have the gates of, of, of death been revealed to you? Do you comprehend? Do you even understand? The expanse of this world. 
God continues. Verse 34 of chapter 38. Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? I don't know what would be more amazing. Someone who would call down lightning, just you know, mentioning it, or they'd call down lightning that could actually speak to you and say, here we are. <laughs> I'm just being silly. Anyway, uh, so can you call down the rain? Can, can you make uh, one, just, okay, you know what, Job? One bolt of lightning. Just give me one. Can, can you make just one bolt of lightning? Can you do any of that? What's interesting here is we just got through a whole chapter of God being like, hey, let's talk about creation, let's talk about all these things. He hasn't even commented once on Job's suffering. He, he's not even addressing it, right? I mean, you'd think that'd be the one thing on God's mind. Too. He knows Job's heart. He knows what Job's thinking. He knows what Job is going through. He's God. He doesn't even acknowledge it, and he, he just keeps going. We're just getting started. Verse 39, I don't know, at some point, I don't have all these up on the screen just because we're, we're hopping through them, so I encourage you to, to kind of turn in your Bibles. But in verse 39, chapter 1, uh, it says this, Do you know when the mountain goat gives birth? Do you observe the calving of the does? And Job's like, God, I'm in pain here. My kids are all dead. Uh, my health is gone. My, my fortune is, is nothing. My friends are idiots. You know? Except for Ellie Hugh, you know, but... Um, and you're talking about, when does the goat give birth? And God just keeps going. Talks about goats and donkeys and oxen and ostrich and the horse. And he's like, hey, in one sense, he's almost like, look at all that I've made. Do you know? Do you control? Do you have understanding? And I love that he gets to, to chapter 40. He starts talking about the behemoth. And I mentioned last week, we, we don't know exactly what this is, what, whether it's you know, something that we see present day or something that's extinct. Um, but whatever it is, it's big. Its tail is described in, in verse 17 as this. Uh, he makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His tail is like a cedar, like a tree. You can imagine then the, the animal be attached something with a tail that large. Some people say, oh, I think he's describing a hippopotamus. No, <laughs> this is not a hippopotamus. This is not a rhino. This is not an elephant. This is something bigger. This is one of the biggest things that Job would have seen as he looked at the animals that God had created. And he says, hey, this thing's a beast. Verse 24 of chapter 40. Can one take him by the eyes or pierce his nose with a snare? Can, can you tame him? Can you get him on a leash, Job? Can you control this wild animal that is just massive? I mean, you ever heard that joke that the kids can tell and adults tell it when we have no better jokes to tell? Um, where does a bull elephant sit down? Wherever he wants to. It, 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 if you ever tried to move, you know what, forget an elephant. Think about a donkey. You ever tried to move a donkey? I mean, you can put all your muscle into it and that thing is not budging. This thing is bigger than both of them. Can you, can you lead it around, Job? Do you have any power over this thing? Chapter 41, the Leviathan. Again, like the behemoth, we're not quite sure what this animal is, and some people take stabs at it, and I think that they kind of fall short when we really look at the description that Job uh, is, is given here by God. But in verse 41.10, God says, No one is so fierce that he dares to stir him up. There's no one out there that would even stir this thing up. You come across a sleeping Leviathan, you keep walking. No one's going to kick him. No one's going to mess with Sasquatch kind of deal. 
Who then is he who can stand before me? This is one of those chapters where if you want some place to read afterwards, just, just for the, the excitement and the joy, and the, something so, just to see, that's in the Bible, really? Read chapter 30, 41. Read Job chapter 41. And, and, and imagine what kind of creature is being described here. Personally, it comes across as some kind of like fire-breathing dragon sea creature thing. I mean, it, it's amazing, you know? I know that raises a whole bunch of other questions, and that's for another sermon. But at the end of the day, Jesus supports the Old Testament, and I'm with Jesus. So um, that, you know, some of those challenging parts, that, that, that's where I go on that one. But it, it says, can you, can you bust out your top-of-the-line fishing tackle and catch this thing with a hook is where God goes? Can you have any control over this? And imagine, you, you ever got a big fish on the line before? Any fishermen in here? There's sometimes where you can get a big fish on the line, and instead of this, oh, this is amazing, you have this... Uh-oh, what do I do now? I mean, this thing is huge. How do I get this in the boat? And, you know, you know an hour later, you, you fight this thing and get it in the boat, whatever it is. But even if you were to even hook this thing, would you have any control over it? You say, Steve, aren't we kind of, you know, beating on this point here? But this is what God says to Job. In the midst of his pain and his suffering, this is where he goes. And Job's starting to get it. He's starting to realize, I think, what God's saying here. I think Job's starting to realize, it's not about me. Job's like, hey, I've had this pain, I've had this suffering, which is real, which is worth acknowledging, which we don't want to dismiss. But the laser focus can't be primarily and first and foremost on that pain, because when it is, we miss out on everything else going around us. And so I believe that's what God's doing. Say, Job, you know who I am. You know my power. You know what I can do. So Job is starting to, all right, you're right, it's not about me. It's not about me. We see this in Job 42, verse 1 and 2. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I know that you can make a way. I know that you can do all things. I know that any plan you have will be done because you are God. It's, it's about God. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. This, is, this life is about God. Who's the one who made all creation? In essence, that's, that's a question that you could say God is asking Job. Who made all creation? Well, God is. God's the one. Who's the one who made us? God is. Who's the one that establishes what is true, what is right? Well, God is. Who's the one that ultimately, when we sin, when we rebel, who is that ultimately against? Well, God's the one that's against. Who's the one who's made a way for us? Who's the one that offers forgiveness through faith in Jesus? God's the one that provides that. Who's the one that this life is about? God is. When you are facing uh, your pain and your trials and suffering, turn your focus from your trials to your triune God. Focus first on the Father. And I, I understand this is a very polarizing statement. Some of us out here right now, the pain and trials and suffering we're going through, we realize it's a result of our own stupid actions, our own mistakes, our own whatever it would be. Some pain and some trials come because we make poor decisions. And if that's you this morning, when you hear this, oh, I need to turn my focus to God, you're, you're elated. Okay, that's awesome. I, you're, you're right. I wasn't focusing on God, and that's how I got in this situation in the first place. 
I was focusing on myself, and now I'm going through this whole mess. And so if I turn my focus to God, okay, I can see how that would be a step towards the right path. But some of us here this morning are going through pain, are going through suffering, are going through trials that have nothing to do with our actions. And it has nothing to do with us. And I, I imagine when you hear this, oh, okay, God, just tell me to focus. Okay, Steve, just tell me to focus on God. That's what I was doing when all this happened. I wonder if Job's feeling that way. When we read in the early chapters of Job, he, he was pursuing God. He was walking with God. And now Elihu shows up, the one friend who's actually been a friend, and says, have you considered God? And Job's like, well, that's what I was doing when all this happened. Now God shows up and says, have you considered me? Do, do you know what I've done? But that's where God starts. Turn your focus to him. And so I know it can potentially sound like a cop-out. It can, it can potentially even sound offensive. But this is God's word to Job. Turn your focus to me and my plans. Why, why do I think God takes us this, this place? Well, see, when we turn our focus first and foremost to our pain and our suffering, it only takes us deeper into our pain and our suffering. Think about that. I think that that's one of the causes even of depression. We get in this place where our focus is on that pain, is on that suffering, and it takes us deeper and deeper into that. But when we're able to shift our focus from our trials and put it on our triune God, we're able to take our focus from the potential of our problems and put it on the power of our God, all of a sudden our focus completely changes. Hey, have you seen what happens to refracted light? When you take light and you, you put it through a prism, and it, not only does it separate out the colors, but then it, it spreads out. I think this is a, the picture that's been going through my mind when I keep thinking about what happens in the midst of our trials when we focus first and foremost on God. He takes our focus and, and he expands out to his purposes and, and to his will. Let me tell you what that looks like. Say, say you're in the hospital because you got some stuff you're going through. So you're in and out, in and out, in and out. Are there some tangible needs that need to be dealt with? Yes. And when we focus on God, part of following him is, is, is being responsible and, and following through on those things. And so that's a piece of this. I'm not saying to, to disregard all, all those other steps we need to take to deal with things responsibly. But when we go beyond focusing on our pain and focus on our God, all of a sudden when we're in the hospital, dealing in the midst of our most challenging times, when our focus is solely on our pain, we can't see past that. But when we see, look to God, all of a sudden we see the nurse that is helping us, that is serving us. And we wonder, I wonder where she's at with God. I wonder where, where he is at with God. You know, I wonder what their day is like today. I wonder if they have any struggles they're going through that they've got to kind of push aside as they come and serve me today. And this is some. It's not always easy. I understand that. I'm not trying to make this sound easy, so I apologize if it comes across that way. But I believe God is at work all around us. And when we focus on our pain and our suffering, we miss out on that. But when we focus on him, he refracts that focus, and we can see his purposes. We can see his plan. We can even see how he may desire to use what we've gone through in someone else's life. I have a, an old student of mine, and I remember these conversations vividly. She had gone through some horrendous abuse in her past, but was sexually abused by a family friend, and, and 
was at a place she, she, for years she never told anybody. This was someone they would see at family functions. So not only did she have this experience, but they would see the person who abused her in this way. It felt like she couldn't tell anybody. So she's gone through all these struggles. And, and so she got connected into our ministry and through, some, through God working in her life and through some friends walking with her, was able to share this and were able to get her the help that she needed. And she always had the same question that all of us ask when we go through pain like that. Why? If God is so loving, why? And that is a valid question. I'm not trying to take that question away from you. But God did an amazing thing in her life. God helped her to see beyond that and to see to him and his purposes. So while he didn't answer her question, while she probably still has some of those questions, and that's okay, I'm not trying to take those from her, she was able to see the purpose of God. And it took time. And I remember many conversations, God, Steve, why would God allow this? Why would God allow this? And I, I told her, I said, God is going to work through you despite this suffering. I'll never forget, she goes off to college. It was probably midway through that, that first uh, year of college, and I get an, an email back from her. This absolute excitement. Steve, I, I met this gal at college, and her story's like mine. But she's still lost. She's still hopeless. She's still caught up in the pain to the point where she can't move forward. I told her my story. I shared Jesus with her, and I gave her hope, and we're in this relationship together, walking forward, pursuing who God is, and God is working in her life. Did that pain go away? No. But when her focus turned to God, she was able to see how God was working around her. And again, while it doesn't doesn't help us understand the why, God worked in the midst of that. God redeemed that has an amazing story to share. Actually, that's what we're going next week, is that God's story is a story of redemption. So that no matter what you walk in with, whatever your past is, God's story is one of redemption. I believe he wants to redeem our lives and, and, and let's walk uh, ahead in, in these days pursuing him. So when we focus on God, takes it and he expands it out to his purposes. Uh, Jesus, at one point, is walking, and he's questioned by the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, and they, they're trying to catch him. You know, if they can catch him and being wrong on something, they can say, oh, you're wrong about this, you're not really God. And so they ask him a trick question. They say, what's, what's the most important command? Because they had all these laws, over 600 laws, and they put laws on top of laws that they made up to, so you don't break God's laws. You know, okay, here's man's laws, and you won't break those, and you won't go the other way. You know, so if, if God says don't drive your camel over 50 miles per hour, it should be a pretty awesome camel. Um, you know, we'll say don't drive it over 40, because we don't even want to get close to 50, you know. So that's kind of how they had their, their structure set up. They say, what's, what's the most important one? Thinking if he points out one and say, oh, you don't like all these other ones, you're, you know, you can't be God. And Jesus says this, sums up the whole law and all the prophets in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he gives a bonus one. And the second is this. You would love others as yourself. We see this in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. And he said to to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Love God and love others. First, focus on God uh, who... uh, he is who will encourage us, will empower us, will strengthen us. And then, second, let us uh, see God's plan. So we focus on God, we can see God's plan and get on board with it every chance we have. So we're going to wrap up on that. What does it look like to love others 
as we're focusing on God despite our pain and trials. So first, we can love others who are in the church. One of the ways we can do that is by serving one another. We can practice hospitality. We can walk with each other. What I want you to, to, to focus on here in this point about uh, uh, serving one another within the church is get dirty. Get dirty. It, it is not clean to walk with each other in life. When you walk with other people in life, you will get dirty. You will probably even get hurt. You'll have some battle wounds and some scars, but it's worth it. It's worth it as you see God working in their life, as God uses them in in your life, and we walk closer to him as a result of doing life together. So find someone here that you've met. Meet someone new for the first time. If this is your first time at Meadowland Church, we're glad you're here. We'd love to do life together with you. If you have some dirty parts of life, welcome to the crowd. Welcome to the club. If you say, okay, why does God comfort us? This is one reason, not the only reason. One reason why God comforts us we see in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that, here's the why, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So again, while it doesn't explain the suffering, it doesn't explain the pain, we know that God will comfort us in the midst of that. And he'll even do it, again, expanding our focus onto his plan so that we can comfort others. What a beautiful picture there. So let's love others uh, in the church. Love others who are in our communities. We are not called to isolate ourselves, church. We are not called to isolate ourselves. We are not called to isolate ourselves. See where I'm going? We're not called to isolate ourselves. We are called to impact our community with the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We are called to be involved in the life of our community. We're called to bring them the good news of Jesus. John 17, 15, this is Jesus praying over his disciples. He says this, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. He's praying to the Father. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. He's saying, I don't want you to isolate them from the rest of the world. I want you to protect them from the evil one because we're sending them into the world. And there's all kinds of different ways you can do this. There's ways in your individual life and there's ways corporate we as a church can do that. And that's what these backpacks are about. This is one way, just one simple way that we can walk together and show love to our community. What we're doing here with this backpack drive, and this is our last thing we're talking about, is you got these backpacks up here. We're going to give you an opportunity to take one, two, however many you want, to take them home, and over the next two weeks, fill these up with school supplies. There's a list in them. There are two different lists. The ones on my left, this is for fifth grade and under. We've kind of consolidated all the local lists, so anywhere in the general area that gets them, that they'll have all the supplies they need. And over here is sixth grade and up. And what we're asking us to do is to take these backpacks, fill them up with school supplies, bring them back on August 16th on our back-to-school blessing. If you say, Steve, I'm not going to be here, I can't, I'm going to be out of town, you can bring them back before then. Bring them back on or before August 16th. And then what we're going to do as soon as we have them is we're going to give them out to whoever needs one. So there's two sides of this. One, if you or someone you know could use a backpack full of school supplies, you are welcome to one. Obviously, we don't have them now. We've got to fill them first. But where I encourage you to go is to our website, MeadowlandChurch.org. And on our website is a link to a form you fill out. And the only reason we need that information is just so we can put you down and say, you got one, you got two, you got seven. However many you need, no questions asked, we will get you set up with a full backpack. Just let us know if it's fifth grade and under or sixth grade and up. 
We've already been in contact with some of the local schools, and we're going to be sending some to the local schools, we're going to be sending some to individuals. Our goal is to have 48 backpacks filled to capacity and given out to our community. So step one is to fill those backpacks. All right, so here's how we can do that. I'm going to give you a moment to come up uh, and grab as many as you want and, and to fill up. Say, well, Steve, what, what's the cost to fill one of these? Well, that's, that's kind of up to you. I mean, you can go, you know, it depends on what you buy, depends on uh, the time you put into shopping, depends on how good you are at shopping. Some people just grab whatever they want off the shelf. Other people can find amazing, awesome deals. I'd even encourage you, if you want to practice hospitality while you're doing that, find someone who can find crazy, awesome deals and do it with them. Say, hey, teach me your ways. Let's, let's go do life together. Maybe you're saying, hey, I'm not sure I can get out and do that, but I'd like to, to fund some. Okay, partner with someone else. Say, hey, I'll, I'll cover the bill if you do all the shopping. Or you're going to do stuff like that. Um, at the end of the day, if you're saying, hey, I would like to be involved with this, and I simply can't from the backpack standpoint, you're more than welcome to give financially. And anything that goes financially to the back-to-school blessing, will 100% will go back out to our community in the form of school supplies. Um, so we make that promise to you. Um, we, we don't do a specific giving at Meadowland. It goes to the general fund, except in moments like this if you're doing a collection for something. So if you want to give financially the back-to-school blessing, you can put that in your envelope and put that in the offering. Um, but we're asking people to, to, to participate in this by filling the backpacks. That's how we'd love to see those who are able get involved is by filling them. And so be thinking about right now, because we're going to give you a moment to kind of come up and grab some, and we're, we're going to pray, and then we're going to close out with a few more worship songs. Um, so just to kind of reiterate it all, grab a backpack, Fill it with supplies, bring it back before, um, on or before August 16th. And then from that point forward, we're going to send them all out uh, to those who need. If you or someone you know is in need, send them to MeadowlandChurch.org. I would actually ask you to help us with this. We're trying to get this word out to anyone who would have need. Uh, so if you're not Facebook friends with us, we're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Yelp. If it's, if it's social, we're probably on it. Uh, look us up, friend us, and then we'll be sharing different stuff through social media. We'd ask that you would share those links as well. Um, not to say, hey, look how cool my church is, but to say, hey, you know what? If you need a backpack, here's a place you can come get one. No questions asked. And so help us with, with that as well. And then we'll, we'll come together August 16th and celebrate what God is doing. Despite any pain we may be going through, God is working in and through us and, and wants to continue in that. And so let us love others by serving our community. And the heart behind this isn't just to be able to say, look, we've given out some backpacks, but the heart is to see lives changed and disciples made. And so while we're not personalizing the backpacks at all, we want there to be some uh, um, anonymity in, in the midst of this. Uh, we are going to put a note inside, the, the information inside the backpack goes into this. We're going to put a note in this that says, hey, this was prepared for you because you are loved by Jesus and you are loved by Meadowland. We'll have our website on there. And we'll, we'll let them know, hey, if you want to find out more, you're welcome to join us. Um, but we're kind of leaving it at that. And so if you want to uh, participate in this in any capacity, I invite you to do that. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to do right now, if you want to grab some backpacks, if you want to think about it, that's fine too. They'll be up here. You can grab them after service as well. Uh, but anyone who knows they want one, if you want to come on up and grab one or two, whatever, however many you want, and, and take those home with you, fill them up. So you can come on, come on up right now. And then um, any that are left over, you know, we'll find a way to get those filled. Our, our goal is to have 48 filled and, and to send those back out to our community. This is awesome, guys. So the ones on my left are the fifth grade and under. The ones on my right are the sixth grade and up. Again, as far as what, the, 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 some of the specifics on the materials, um, you know, use your discretion. The list is in there. Any questions, you can always call us. You can always contact us. And um, we encourage, again, if, if there's something stopping you in any capacity, find someone to partner with in this. Work with someone else in that. It, it, let's, let's come together as a church in this. 
And as you guys are grabbing these backpacks, the band is coming up to get ready to lead us uh, in a few more songs. Uh, before they do, um, we're going to actually uh, transition and take our morning offering. Um, so if you're new this morning and you fill out your communication card, you can put that communication card in the offering. If you want to contribute financially to the, the back-to-school blessing, like I said, you're more than welcome to. Um, just put that in an envelope to let us know that's what it's for, and then we'll make sure that 100% of those, go, uh, those funds go to the back-to-school blessing and go to school supplies in our community. That's amazing, guys. That's awesome. I mean, there's people who aren't even here yet who I know want to participate, and so I think we are definitely going to hit our goal of 48 backpacks. So thank you so much uh, for joining together with us in that. Let me pray for us, and then the ushers will receive our, our offering, and then we'll praise God through a few songs here. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you that in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, that you still are alive, you are still here, you are still working, you are still victorious, and that you still want to use us, Father, in each other's lives and the lives of our community. Father, first and foremost, if there's anyone here, Father, that, that, that just needs a friend right now, just needs someone to walk with them in life, I pray that you would, uh, in the moments ahead, put them next to that person, have a conversation, strike up, and, and begin that relationship where they can do life together. Father God, I pray for these backpacks that have just been so, so generously received, that you would, uh, every step of this process, that you would bless, Father God, from the going out and shopping and the filling, that we could find ways to do that in a way that just honors you, Father, and, and brings about our, our blessing as well. And then we would give these backpacks out to our community, Father God. I pray for every single backpack that comes in. You, you have, I know you have a name, you have a person who's in need for that. I thank you for the ones who have already come in. And I pray you continue to get the word out to those who need to know where this would make a big difference, a big impact in their life, Father. Use this church. I know that there's suffering, there's pain, there's trials that we're going through in, in individual ways, Father. But we focus on you because we love you. And so we love others, Father. We pray to see your will done. We thank you for the opportunity to see lives changed and disciples made. We love you, Father. Amen.